Welcome to NFL Live, packed show for you today. We're going to do a deep dive into the Cowboys' struggles. Dan will tell you the most surprising thing about their offense and maybe how to fix it. Plus, a report from New England from someone who was just there and why someone here says their issues aren't all on this guy, Mac Jones. Also coming your way, a Ravens touchscreen with Dan that will reveal a lot about how good they actually are. You don't want to miss it. So glad that you're with us here today. We got Andrew Hawkins up in here. What up, Hawk? What up, baby? Good Dan Orlovsky and also like Dan Graziano. I know. You, Hawk and I got the memo. Now I don't say know. Say something nice about me. Oh. Everything looks good on you. Your okay. shoes are fire. Oh, wow. I can't believe they that. They can't see them, but your shoes are fire. <laughs> that rolled off the tongue there so they easily. Are. Get your foot out of my face. <laughs> of course. All right. <laughs> let's get Graz in here. Caught up on the latest news, Graz. Let's, let's start with the latest on Devon Achan. Devon Achan, the explosive Miami Dolphins running back, who's been such a big part of the story for them the last couple weeks, has a knee injury that will require him to miss sometime likely a couple of weeks we'll see if they place him on injured reserve that would require him to miss at least four games if they do that that is a possibility uh, so they'll they might get Jeff Wilson back as early as this week to help with that running back room but they'll be without HN for a while running back James Connor of the Arizona Cardinals also injured his knee Sunday and he will be out uh, for several games. It sounds likely that they will in fact place him on injured reserve, which would mean he would have to miss at least four games. So one of the most reliable producers for the Arizona Cardinals so far this year on offense uh, will be on the shelf uh, for some time. Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey. He injured his ankle in Sunday's game. He was able to come back in the game, even, even st stood there on defense for the final Hail Mary play. Uh, but he did not practice yesterday. Coach Andy Reid said he would be out at practice doing some stuff today. The Chiefs play on Thursday, as in the day after tomorrow, so Kelsey is going to have to heal up uh, pretty quickly. They'll see how he feels after practicing today and decide tomorrow or Thursday whether he can go. Unfortunately, the Minnesota Vikings will not be so lucky with regard to Justin Jefferson, their star wide receiver. He's going on injured reserve. He will have to miss at least four games with that hamstring injury suffered in that same game against the Chiefs on Sunday. It's possible he'll have to miss even more time than that. This is a severe hamstring injury for Justin Jefferson, but four games at a minimum for the Vikings best offensive player. Thanks, Graz. More from you coming later. Let's live there, Hawk. What does that mean for the Vikings without Jefferson? It means Jordan Addison has to step up, mm. right? And, and he is a first round receiver, a ton of ability, fast, quick, sudden all those things that we've seen that he's been able to make big plays this season. The problem and issue is a lot of those big plays, if not most of those big plays down the field, have been because of the attention that Justin Jefferson draws. 25% yeah, sure. of this team's targets go to Justin Jefferson. So now Addison has to show the ability to be a number one guy when all the attention is on you, can you still get up the field and make big plays for your squad? Completely agree with that. I just don't see them as a playoff team now. And I really didn't see them nope. as a playoff team, obviously, even when they had healthy Justin. <laughs> I think the number one question that the Vikings have to answer right now, how do we keep Justin Jefferson and Minnesota Viking? And the reality is there's tentacles attached to that. One, it's not just money in my eyes. It's got to be who's the answer quarterback. And when is that going to happen and how long? Because Justin Jefferson should not tie himself to the Minnesota Vikings just for money and not know who the quarterback is going to be. Kirk's on his last deal. He's got a no trade clause. Like who, when Justin Jefferson, if he lines up for the Minnesota Vikings in 24, who's his quarterback? Mm -hmm. And it can't just be for 2024 because he's going to sign a long-term deal, right? So yeah. is it going to be Caleb Williams? Is it going to be, I, I think the Vikings have to figure out a very clear plan of how to keep him a Viking outside of the financial kind of commitment. Okay, 
the Jefferson story is big, but you just said something there about Cousins. Potentially, maybe he goes to a I think team. teams should be calling the Vikings for Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson. Now, I don't think it's Fire like, sale. I just don't think it's likely the Vikings would trade Justin Jefferson. But again, back to that point, like who, if, if if Justin's not going to sign until you know who the quarterback is, it, it might almost be impossible Which to get teams? that done. It, for the, for Kirk Cousins, obviously the Jets come into the conversation. I don't know how likely that is. I would have said Atlanta, but Desmond Ritter played really good this past weekend, so you'd think maybe building on that. You want to look at teams that you're like, okay, they have all the other pieces, and I agree with both of those squads. And this isn't how the Pittsburgh Steelers do things, but there's a lot of questions around Kenny Pickett. Ah. Sure. It is early. Yes, he is probably still within that window of a rookie trying to figure it out. But we know what Kirk Cousins is. And with a defense like that and the weapons that they have, you can't help but think yeah. so, a situation like that is an immediate upgrade. I don't think that it's likely that they can move him just because there just doesn't seem like a ton of teams out there. You could understand a, a Steelers or a Jets, but there also is a giant butt of, well, Kenny Pickett's still a really young player who was a first-round yep. pick. Yep. And Zach Wilson's had two pretty good games in a row. Right. And I, I just think the teams aren't a big pool. If, if I was the New England Patriots, if I was the Indianapolis Colts, if I was the Houston Texans, maybe Kansas City, I would call and say, where are you with Justin? Just because we don't know enough about that situation again I think it's incredibly unlikely that they mm -hmm. do and I wouldn't Carolina but I do too. I do think teams have to make that call mm -hmm. yeah it's it's interesting because I think all of it could be unlikely Graz but especially the package deal that Orlovsky is trying to do for uh, Cousins and Jefferson how difficult is it Graz to actually trade Kirk Cousins though well, there's a couple reasons it's difficult, Laura. One, he has a no-trade clause, so he would have to agree to any deal, which means he'd have to want to go to the team, uh, and he'd have to be comfortable. You know, he and his family, from what I understand, are pretty happy in Minnesota. So, uh, yes, he's only signed through this year. They may have to make a decision to go somewhere else soon, but he may not want to hustle uh, and make that decision just now. So, if you are acquiring Kirk Cousins, all very hypothetical, you probably have to make it worth his while, maybe add a little bit to the contract, uh, convince him of that. The other thing is, as Dan mentioned, not a, not a great market. You don't often see a starting quarterback traded at the deadline in season. They have to learn a new offense. It can take some time to get up to speed. So teams aren't necessarily going to part with a lot. Also, you have to make it worth the Vikings' while, and teams may not want to give up a very high pick for a veteran quarterback that's only going to be there a couple of months. Yeah. So there are a lot of reasons uh, it will be difficult. The thing to watch is if someone's – quarterback situation changes over mm. the next couple of weeks with an injury or something. Some contender has an injury at quarterback and gets desperate. That might change the landscape a little bit. Obviously, it's impossible to predict that. It would also require the Vikings to continue losing and decide to give up on their season. So yeah, other than that, really. <laughs> right, there's so much. Graz, just remind us here, trade deadline, uh, October 31st, correct? Yeah, three, yep. so three weeks, basically. So, All yeah. right, it's coming up. I, people may not realize that. Okay, uh, you also mentioned, Graz, the injury to Devon A-Chain at the top of the show. Let's go to the Miami. Okay, a blow for their offense, considering he's averaged 12.1 yards per rush in the Dolphins' first five games this season. Not only is that an NFL record, it's almost two yards more than the next closest player. I realize they have a bunch of weapons, Hawks, so maybe that's yep. how you would look at this, but you think it's a big deal for the Dolphins, or can they replace A-Chan? Anytime you lose a player with that amount of explosion and that big, big play ability, of course, it's going to be a, an adjustment for the offense. But I'm not worried about it. I do think the offense for the Miami Dolphins is plug-and-play because they have Mike McDaniel. He is the reason why it is functioning the way that it is, and he's also the reason why A-Chan is in a Dolphins uniform mm -hmm. already because he knows – 
what kind of characteristics can really thrive in this offense. They'll get Wilson Jr. back. Obviously, start the season, A-Chan was a healthy scratch. And in that sure. opening yeah. game, they still went for 536 yards and 36 points. This train will keep rolling. Yeah, he... he HN reminds me a lot of Chris Johnson. Remember the tailback for the oh, Tennessee Titans? Absolutely. Was unreal. And that's yeah. a compliment, just the, the speed he has. Home run. That being said, I still think there's – I agree. I, th I still think there's a ton of speed on this football team, and Mike mm -hmm. McDaniel will make sure he uses it in the right way. Mostert and Wilson, when he comes back, are two of the faster backs we have in the NFL. So there will be a little bit of, like, a loss in trying to fix – and fit pieces into certain roles, but it's not like they don't have options. I think I still believe Miami will be okay. Yeah, and maybe they'll get him back when it matters most for the latter part of the season. We don't know for sure, but he's missing multiple weeks, not out for the year. By the way, this is crazy. The Dolphins have 2,568 yards in their first five games this season. That's the most by any team in its first five games of a season in NFL history. They're going to be okay. Crazy. <laughs> Let's get to the Cowboys who uh, need some help. Okay, they're still reeling from their loss to the 49ers. Dak said it was extremely humbling. There's no denying his poor numbers versus good teams. Jerry Jones, of course, asked about his quarterback today, and here's what he said about Prescott. In my mind, make no mistake about it, we have a quarterback that can get us there. Dak Prescott is a quarterback that can get us to the Super Bowl. That's the way that's going to be. We have to do some changes from within. I'm not panicked, but the gap is some something tells you what it is. Uh, don't try to dream that it's something else. We can do better than what we did out there Sunday night. That's a given. Okay, a reminder that they did trade for Trey Lance. I'm just throwing it out there. But Dan, what what oh, no. is the most surprise? Well, sorry. What is the most surprising thing about the Cowboys' struggles on offense to you? That they drafted a guy in the first round or completely failing using him the right way, uh, Ceedee Lamb. Yeah. Uh, the, the Cowboys' issue, like, I guess, coming off Sunday night, there's a lot of issues in their offense that I see. But one of them is just they don't use Ceedee Lamb in the way that I would envision using him. They just line him up. There, there's very little of creating matchups for him. There's very little of creating leverages for him. There's very little of trying to get him touches. He so often stands still in the slot. I watched the Cincinnati Bengals play a game on Sunday without T. Higgins and throw the ball to Jamar Chase 19 times, meaning the Cardinals knew they were going to throw the ball to Jamar Chase a ton, and they still did for 15 catches. I, I don't understand why the Cowboys won't use C.D. Lamb in the way that they did Jamar Chase, or sometimes the Vikings do a Justin Jefferson, or a, a, the, the Los Angeles Rams use a Cooper Cup. I'm not saying that CD is those guys. What I'm saying is use him in the same way because you drafted him in the first round. He's supposed to and, be your one, right? And candidly, they use him like he's a number three wide receiver and not a number one. They, they, they said this week, they asked the players about their identities. They said they didn't know what it was. Ooh. And there is a reason. When you watch them on film, that checks out because last year they kind of ran this offense where it was like Dak stand back there do whatever right mm -hmm. this year it's supposed to be the West Coast offense and they blended it and said it's the Texas Coast offense you can't do that the West Coast offense is all about precision yeah it's about getting the ball out of your hands quickly it is extremely the proper detailed. spacing spacing is so important their receivers stinks. need to be aligned in a perfect spot quarterback needs to be quick decision if for to your point about CeeDee Lamb that is not when he is at his best. Okay. And because they're lacking that precision, that's why everything seems out of whack and out of the ordinary because it is. Yeah, their pass game spacing is really off. Like, even on the interception that Dak throws 
which was the second one that the linebacker comes mm -hmm. underneath it with the double slants. The spacing is off. Now it's a poor decision by the quarterback, but the spacing is off. And I just, I, I don't I understand. And my concern about it is this, Hawk. That's not who Mike McCarthy is. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't really believe that you can line up and play shotgun standstill football in 2023 in the NFL. I honestly don't. I think you fail your players, and I think you create a schematic advantage for the defense mm -hmm. and disadvantage for you. And I just think, why would they not be using CeeDee Lamb in a greater capacity of getting him touches more so than we just want you to be part of the progression? Yeah, it, it feels like they are trying to prevent turnovers. Like, they're trying to back their way into playing Rely a certain on the way. defense. Yeah, and if yeah. you watch that game against the San Francisco 49ers, it was extremely predictable. Yeah. And they had their number for yeah, that exact reason. Uh, okay, to your point about McCarthy and the differences we're seeing, I mean, the numbers bear that out. Cowboys averaging just six and a half air yards per attempt this season. That's the fifth lowest in the NFL. Mm. It was 8.1 yards in the four seasons under Kellen Moore. It, there was a lot of criticism around right. him, but the numbers are showing his offense, at least right now, was better. I mean, what's the point of taking him in the first round if you're not going to use him? Yeah, come on, get CD hey. in the game. Uh, guys, well, we are going to see this. The Cowboys on Monday Night Football next week. Dak and company facing Justin Herbert and the Chargers fresh off the Chargers bye week. 8 Eastern on ABC, ESPN, and ESPN Deportives. Hey, we're just getting started here on NFL Live. A lot more coming your way. The Packers failed to take down the Raiders last night, in part due to a lackluster performance on offense. Dan and Hawk dive into what Jordan Love needs to fix. Plus, a few teams would rather forget their poor showings this past weekend. We'll take a look at some of the tough losses from Week 5 as our analysts here identify what went wrong and maybe how to fix it, too. Stay tuned. More NFL Live after the break. We'll be right back. What if in 2024, you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Try Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. It's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. They have over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash tackle. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash tackle. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash tackle. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. The Sunday NFL Countdown crew has you covered for week six, 10 a.m. on ESPN. Here we go. <laughs> yep, it's ESPN. Uh, the Monday Night Countdown crew is going to get you set for Cowboys Chargers with a two-hour pregame show. That starts at 6. 
Oh, here we go. Both are on ESPN and the app. There we go. Yeah, we got that one. All right, let's go back to something that was also on ESPN. Uh, the Packers and Raiders on Monday Night Football. And the Raiders looking for their first win versus the Packers since 1987. Pick it up in the second quarter. Jordan Love out of the shotgun throws it right to Roberts Belain for the pick. He sets up good field position for the Raiders. They would lead 10-3 at the half. Let's go to the fourth quarter here. 13-10, Packers leading Raiders first and goal, and Josh Jacobs plowing his way through, Dan. They finally got a little bit of running game going in the second half. For the most part, the Packers' defense did a good job, but Jacobs finds a way to finish on that drive. Raiders leading 17-13 after that, ensuing Packers' drive. Love throwing a pass intended for Christian Watson, but no, Spillane again. <laughs> Great play by Marcus Peters as well. Like Spillane found the football a bunch last night, but Marcus Peters sitting on that route and tipping the ball was huge. Final chance for the Packers here. Love scrambling there, throwing it to the end zone intended for Watson again, but Amik Robertson picks it off, and that was Love's third pick on the night. The Raiders win 17-13. Here's Jair, Jair Alexander with more. Yeah, I think at this point it's pretty obvious that the defense has to not give up any touchdown, you know. I think that's a part of being self-critical of our defense because, you know, the offense is pretty young, you know, and they're still figuring out their mojo. So, you know, it, the defense, we got to, you know, we got to be the ones to score and stop them from scoring. Yeah, Jordan Love's really fallen off in the last couple games here. His QBR dropped by more than 50 points as he's thrown one touchdown to five interceptions. After starting the season with seven passing touchdowns, just one interception, his sack percentage has also tripled in his last couple games. He is missing some key teammates on offense. It's important to point out David Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones are just a couple of names to mention. Certainly, they would have loved to have them last night. But, Dan, what did you see from Jordan Love last night? Well, I think it was trying to protect the quarterback a little bit play-calling-wise. I think they called, like, four screens in the first 10 plays. Jordan Love uh, didn't see the field well. Like, re wasn't reading the keys of a defense, like who I should throw to and when. So this is the second interception, okay? So you're going to get this split action flow, meaning you're going to get the tight end from one side and the back action. So what you're trying to do is affect these guys. So you're trying to get the back to affect that backer to move and the tight end to affect this backer. Now watch where they start, okay? Watch where they are because he's trying to throw that in route behind. The ball fake happens. Those guys are kind of where they started. There was no action. The action did not impact those guys. Jordan Love just should not throw that football because the intent is to get those guys to separate and create that void to throw that wrap in route. That did not happen, and he throws that interception. But that's just one example of him not seeing the field well last night. Now, that really wasn't the case to start this season. It's reared its ugly head in the past two weeks, and I think Matt LaFleur has got to figure out what he believes that Jordan can see on the field in two and a half seconds effectively and efficiently, consistently, because last night was one of those, what, what, what's going on with the quarterback and how he's seeing things? Yeah, and obviously everyone wants to blame the quarterback, and a lot of times that is true. We don't want to start blaming receivers here, Hawk. But what yeah. was going on with Christian Watson in this game? There is such a trickle down that happens in this offense, and the, the and most important part of this being effective is being, being able to hit shots down the field. So Christian Watson, who's a young receiver, he's very fast. He has a ton of ability. But there were opportunities here that were left on the field in this deep passing game. Now, if you watch here at the top of the screen, this is going to be a big post, which, again, these are the big plays that yeah. you have to hit to open everything else up. If I'm in this receiver meeting room, I am telling Christian Watson, the thing that you need to work on is when you're transitioning 
to the second part of the route, which is after you make the cut or you're going to the post, yeah. there has to be an acceleration. So you're here. saying right now, here, like when he makes this move, from this moment forward, he's going to run this post. You're seeing what? What happens in this concept? I tell every young receiver, whenever you look for the ball, there has to be an acceleration for go to go faster. You either you're either running slower or you are concentrating on accelerating and those first four steps out of the break. And Christian Watson slows down when he's trying to find the football. Right, Just so a hair. I want to make sure I'm hearing you correctly. So he's got another post at the bottom of the screen. You're telling me that when he gets to essentially this point and looks back for the ball, he slows down as he goes vertical? Just the tick. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You see it right you're, when he peeks back. I didn't see that. And you're splitting hairs here, but this is the, game, the NFL game because this makes a difference in separation, ball placement, and when you're looking to find that ball and you're slowing he down, Jordan Love, down. that ball's in the air. He definitely slows I'm down. I'm expecting you to be at this spot. And Jordan Love actually threw two really good balls on those posts. Now, this is the last play uh, where the interception happened, the last interception they threw. Yeah. You see at the top, yes, there's pressure, so Jordan Love's trying to evade that, sure. right? He throws a hand up. Yeah. Now, I would tell every receiver, the only reason you ever throw your hand up is if you're breaking your route off okay. to let the quarterback know, hey, I'm changing what's on the paper. Right. Hmm. Otherwise, you are slowing down your pace and you are giving him a false pace of where he's putting this football. So you're saying him launching the hand up there is slowing him down, but you're also kind of telling the quarterback something that's not happening on that end, on the receiver end? Yes. I don't, I don't think there's any reason to put your hand he up here. He definitely slows down again. You keep running. Full speed, yeah. and Jordan Love is going to have to find you and put that ball in the corner of the end I zone. I just wanted to show that first big post again. You could definitely see once he gets like 40 yards downfield. He's at the bottom of the screen here. Watch when, when he gets hawk, 40 or so yards. Now he definitely slows down when he peaks for the football. And I, again, I, I, it's either you're not expecting the football yeah. or it's something How in you your game. That? You have to work, focus on it. Yeah. I, I mean, I have 11-year-old receivers that I am teaching out of your break. You have to go as fast as you can. But still because look somebody for the ball. is chasing. You're looking, but you have to be conscious. Where are you looking, you though? I'm confused. I'm looking up. You look up for it to come in front of you. Is what yeah, because up. when you're going yeah. for you're those posts, behind you. you're not looking back, right? You're trying to find the football as you look it's up. It's in the air. Yeah. So you are maintaining your speed, and you are looking up to find the football while running as fast as you can. Because, because in the NFL, are, those throws inches. are inches off. It's inches. Wow, you totally said. The other funny thing for me, I always thought if the receiver throws the hands up, he's like, I'm open, I'm open. But you're saying that's giving a false spot for where to throw the football, and it slowed him down, right? If, if your hand is up, the, the DB also sees you're open. <laughs> and it allows him to catch up and make a play on the football. Wow, fascinating stuff, you guys. Coming up next, we've got a lot more of these two, okay? And just when the Patriots fans thought it couldn't get any worse, the team was forced with yet another blowout loss. So Graz was in New England this weekend. He's going to fill us in on everything he saw. You don't want to miss this. It's all next on NFL Live. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. We're back on NFL Live. All sad fans. Uh, that means it's time for what went wrong. It was a bad week for quite a few teams. Let's try to explain it all. Graz is with us first. Um, and Graz, you were with the Patriots. Oh, the Giants, excuse me. We're getting the Patriots in a minute. What went wrong for them? It would be easier for me to tell you what didn't. Like The, the <laughs> offense is in shambles. The offensive line is shredded due to injuries. They haven't had their left tackle, Andrew Thomas. Daniel Jones, the quarterback, is on pace to be sacked 102 times this season. That feels unsustainable. Ooh. They've had to play the last three games without running back Saquon Barkley, who may have had a point in the offseason when he was trying to get a new contract and convince the team how vital he mm. was to making this offense work because without him, it has not. Yeah, I shouldn't laugh. Uh, excuse me for that. Dan, the Rams lost to the Eagles. What went wrong was they couldn't get to Jalen Hurts and cover A.J. Brown. I mean, this Eagles offensive line just did a phenomenal job of protecting Jalen Hurts. And Jalen fed his guy, A.J. Brown, and they tried to cover him with multiple people, whether it was man or zone, and they just couldn't. And it was a lot of the big plays downfield that were a storyline. A lot of teams are going to struggle with this against the Philadelphia Eagles. But that's what happened specifically in that second half. Hawk, the Broncos lost to the Jets. Yeah, if you've been uh, convinced that Russell Wilson is playing bad, you've been hoodwinked, bamboozled, and led astray. <laughs> it seemed like Robert Sala found the Broncos' offensive game plan on eBay. They could not protect Ooh. Russell Wilson. The wide receivers could not get open against his defensive backfield. And even in the concepts that were longer developing that they did get open on, they didn't have enough protection time for Russell Wilson to have a chance to get to him down the field. Man, okay, maybe the biggest what went wrong of week five, the Patriots shut out by the Saints. Here's Bill Belichick on what needs to change. And just plain and simply, we got to find a way to, you know, play and coach better than that. And so that's what we're going to do, start all over and um, get back on a better track than we're on right now. So, you know, slow start. And I just couldn't, you know, could never really get the game under control. All right, the Patriots offense has been horrible so far this season. New England ranks last in points per game and efficiency. Their bottom five in three and out percentage, first downs per game and turnovers. Graz, I got ahead of myself there with what went wrong for the Patriots. There's so much excitement talking about the <laughs> Patriots offense right now. She just could not. I couldn't wait for this. Um, yeah, and I really can't wait to hear what you're going to say here. You were at the game this weekend for them. What was the vibe around New England? It's bad, Laura. Oh. I mean, they just off the two worst losses now in Bill Belichick's career in back-to-back -back weeks uh, to Dallas last week and then New Orleans this week at home. Uh, they're not getting anything done on offense. Before the game, they were telling me, oh, we got to get Hunter Henry going. He'll, he's the playmaker that can spark the offense. He was targeted twice in this game and did not have a catch. So that didn't work. Uh, they can't get the run game going with Ramondre Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott. Couldn't find anything against that Saints defense. Uh, and really, they, you know, it gets back to they haven't really put explosive playmakers around Mac Jones in the offense. Mm -hmm. so there's not a lot of places he can go for a big play when it is needed. Add in the fact that, you know, Mac Jones has played poorly enough in the last two games that he's been benched uh, in the second half for Bailey Zappi. Uh, and you have a complete mess on your hands. Uh, they also, by the way, lost their two best defensive players to injury possibly for the season last week. 
Uh, so I, I think that about covers it. Bill Belichick <laughs> is talking about making changes, but it's unclear what he can actually change. Yeah. I don't mm. get the sense that they're about to bench Mac Jones for Bailey Zappi uh, long term. But, you know, I, I think the leash probably gets shorter week by week because that is a change they could make that might get some people's attention inside the building. Mm. I, I, I think it's fair to say that New England is, is the worst place to play quarterback in the NFL right now. Mm. Right now, when it comes to an offensive line that cannot protect and no one skill position-wise is getting separation and getting open. That's tape and numbers. Maybe outside of the Giants situation. Now, here, here's what I would say in relation to Mac Jones. He's got to own his own stuff. And this is a really important stretch for Mac Jones. There's things that he can control. I've talked about his footwork, and certainly there are some decisions. But here's where I, what I would say to Mac Jones. <clears throat> you got to stretch here where your body language has to be the best it's been. Your leadership has to be the best it's been. Because you hear rumblings about some of that stuff that doesn't sit well with folks. And as bad as it, as bad as it is right now, it's a great opportunity for Mac Jones to grow in his leadership role and grow in his body language role and grow in I'm unfazed. I'm coming to work every single day and doing my job the very best I can for myself and for my team, no matter of the results, because it's not good right now in New England. But mm -hmm. if Mac Jones is going to like become the quarterback I believe he can become in the NFL, it's a, it's a really important stretch for him to kind of um, start to rewrite some of those narratives maybe and grow from yeah. this situation because it's as bad as it can get in the NFL. I think everything you said is spot on. And when I look at Mac Jones and I look at the scenario that the Patriots offense is in, uh, you start to question the GM, right, and, and the, the, the pieces that they put around him. But I also start to question that around the quarterback. I've said this on this show. I'll continue to say it. I tell everyone in the NFL, whatever you're good at, be the best at it. When you watch Mac Jones play, he is not doing that. He is not being uh, a great decision maker. He is not being accurate. He is not processing the information. Anytime he has to go beyond his first predetermined target, he is terrified. And Ice Cube said, if you're scared, go to church. <laughs> so what I need for Mac Jones to do is not get happy feet, not to lean back on that and be so scared because it is resulting in these really bad plays you're seeing. But here, here's my thing, Hawk. I, I agree with part of that. I do believe it's something that's so easy to say rather than do. Like, understand. You know what I'm saying? Like, not get happy feet. He's getting his head kicked in. Get to your second read. No one's open. So I agree with. Like, totally, I agree. That's why I'm saying, like, control what you can control. Hmm. Because if For you sure. start, and you notice, like, if you start to allow this to impact you and this to impact you and this, that's when we see some of the plays he's had, mm -hmm. and it, it pulls his own play down. And again, like, the body language. The body language, you can get better yeah. at that. You, you can know, control the, that. Yeah. That's off the field. That's nobody Absolutely. chasing. The leadership, yep. it can uh, get better at that. Graz, I feel like I heard you there. Did you want to add something? Yeah, I think Dan's on the right track in terms of what they're thinking about in New England right now. Like, they recognize the situation, the offense as a whole, is a wreck and that there's probably a lot more repair work that needs to be done than just the quarterback situation. But they would like to see, I think, something from Mac Jones, you know, to the, to the part that you can control. Hey, maybe maybe bring the rest of the building up a little bit yeah. uh, attitude-wise and intensity-wise, uh, you know, and not sort of get sort of bogged down and, and as upset as everybody else is 
by what's going wrong. So it's an important stretch for Mac Jones because they have the fifth-year option deadline next May. They, even if they're not going to bench him this year, which, again, I'm not sure they're going to do, they may be looking for a new quarterback next offseason if things don't change. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think there's another way you can say it. Really good stuff from all of you there. By the way, the Patriots have just three points in their last two games. That's uh, This is the NFL. That's crazy. Not good. Yeah. All right. Not good. <laughs> Still to come here on NFL Live, what we saw from the Ravens on Sunday is a far cry from the high-powered offense some were expecting this season. But Hawk tells us where the real problem lies in this offense. We'll explain some things. Dan hits the touchscreen. That's next. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Oh, we love that you're with us on NFL Live today. Time to read and react. The Bengals got back on track with a win against the Cardinals. Here's Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase on what was different. It's something I haven't been able to do for the last couple weeks. So when, when your quarterback can't do that, can't steal first downs, can't extend the play a little bit to, to find some guys, it's, it's tough to move the ball. So... Um, it felt good today. Uh, I mean, we're just taking a step closer to who we really are. Um, you know, like I said, we keep facing adversity this year. This, this is not going to be an easy season. Uh, you know, right now we're just taking step by step until the next week. Brad, the calf is going to be a thing for Burrow all season, but what's the outlook there? Well, the best thing we heard in those quotes was him saying, I felt good today because that has been missing. He has been dealing with that calf injury since training camp. It got worse again uh, earlier this season when he tweaked it against the Baltimore Ravens. If he can be healthy this week and get out of the Seattle game without a setback, they have a bye in week seven, and that would give him two weeks to rest the thing, and maybe, just maybe, the second half of the season could reflect the real Bengals offense. Things are looking up for the Jags, who have won two straight. The Jaguars' defense seems to have found something in London. They allowed 13.5 points per game across the pond compared to 25 points per game in their first three games. Pressure rate went up. They got three interceptions, one more than Jacksonville had in its first three games of the year. Dan, what have you seen from the Jags' deep? Yeah, in the last month, they've had one bad football game, and that was because of blown coverage against Houston and C.J. Stroud hurting them. So two things. The second level of their defense when it comes to their run defense has been very downhill. So obviously seeing things when it comes to the run game. The second thing is their third down blitz package has gotten really good. Mike Caldwell, their defensive coordinator, comes from like that Todd Bowles tree. That blitz package after that run defense has been really good is starting to hit home and that rush is starting to affect other quarterbacks. The defense is starting to catch up to that offense. For Baltimore, they took a step back in a loss to the Steelers. 
five drops by receivers in that game. And get this, Ravens wide receivers and tight ends have dropped nearly 7% of their targets this season. That's the highest rate in the NFL. Hockey concerned about this trend? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to chalk this up to just a bad day at the office for the pass catchers for the Baltimore Ravens, but they have to be better. We typically don't yeah. see this out of Andrews. We typically don't see this out of Zay Flowers, but I, I would love to see them change up how they're deploying these pass catchers. Number mm -hmm. one, I need more from, from Bateman. Bateman, who is going to be in this rotation, he has to make more plays yeah. down the field for Lamar Jackson. And Odell Beckham, the way that the Ravens are using him is kind of like he's the older version, um, the, the, the Odell Beckham of past. He is 30 years old, off of two ACLs. Get him more in the crossing and get Zay Flowers more down the field, and it will help spread your offense and your receivers like out that. better. Yeah, you have these youngsters, you know, make them work, right? Um, there was also the costly Lamar fumble late in the game. What did you see there, Dan, when you saw it? Yeah, it's not on Lamar. You know, that's why so often everyone's like, it's all on the quarterback. That, that fumble is not on Lamar. It's a great play by the defense. But this is why you can't just sit here and say it's all on Lamar Jackson when it comes to this fumble. So when it comes to shotgun mechanics, I'll play it for everybody to remind everyone. This is Alex Highsmith off the left side of the offensive line. He does a tremendous job of raking the football from Lamar's right hand and essentially seals the football game. So shotgun mechanics for the quarterback when it comes to the depth. This ball, let's say this ball is going to get snapped right around like the 43 and a half yard line. So you're really trying to be fair when it comes to the depth that we get in our gun to these tackles, right? Because the deeper we are, the straighter the line it has for the defensive ends on those tackles. So if the ball's at that 43 and a half yard line, you don't really want Lamar to get any deeper than like the 34 and a half, 35 yard line to, to really not stress those offensive tackles. So step number one is seeing where Lamar gets when it comes to the top of his drop. Where does Lamar get when it comes to set up, setting up in the pocket? He is right at about seven and a half yards, completely fair to those tackles so the spot that he gets to it's not too deep because sometimes that happens now when it comes to what he's doing Lamar is staring down here to Mark Andrews what he's trying to do is get these two defenders to somehow jump up just a little bit because look he's got outside leverage right there for Odell Beckham who's running this in route in the vacant part of the field so he's exactly where he needs to be when it comes to the depth of his pocket. He's looking exactly where he's supposed to to impact those defenders. And look what he's about to do. He's about to go pull the trigger. He's about to go throw that football to Odell, who's breaking open on that in route. But because of that, and what happens to the left tackle, and I'm not trying to single out the left tackle here, but the, the reality is when he opens the gate, meaning see how I can see that left tackle's jersey numbers? That's called opening the gate. He's no longer parallel to the line of scrimmage. That's not on Lamar. It's a great rush by Highsmith. The left tackle gets beat, and then the ball comes out. We can't sit here and go, well, Lamar Jackson fumbles the football away. There's nothing he can do in that moment. If there is a fraction of a second longer, a little bit better blocking, he is likely to rip that in route to Odell Beckham, and the story of the game might be completely different. But right. that's, you know, not all turnovers fall on the the quarterback can't play shoulders. Thanks for diving inside the box score there for us. You're welcome. That one, <laughs> that one looked a little different on the box score. No, I just like when everyone says, like, oh, Lamar Jackson can't have that fumble at the end of the game. He, there's nothing Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson could do in that moment right. except have eyes behind his back. Lamar yeah. Jackson played incredible. I yeah. thought it was his best game of the year. He was extremely accurate. He had seven drop passes that would have all been big Three plays. Touchdowns, yeah. Man. Three touchdowns. And again, the stat line, if you watch the box score, it's, oh, Lamar... Absolutely nah. not. Yeah. He played hey, great. Mark yeah. Andrews said, too, he was like, we're a really good team, okay? This game is not a representative of what we are. Also, I have to shout out the control room here. Our control room said in my ear, 
that you're trying to make it Odell Beckham Sr. instead of Junior, the old man. Am I? Are you picking that up? No? No, am I, Odell Beckham Sr.? <laughs> I don't. You're not old enough to be Odell Beckham Senior. I no, played with him in college. No, I'm saying no, I'm you kidding. were you were saying that he was Odell Beckham Senior. Yeah. It's not a good joke if we have to explain it. All okay. right, coming up next right. on NFL Live. Okay, the 49ers <laughs> have been pummeling their opponents thus far this season. Is there a team in the NFC that can stop them? Dan talks about why the Lions are real contenders. That's next. I can't take responsibility for that joke. Okay. I get it now. <laughs> be an adult. It just took a minute. I Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network. All lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. October 14th, Oregon and Washington is a brawl. This is the opportunity I think that they've really waited for. When you have so many dynamic weapons, there's really... No shortage of guys who can make plays on this team. Bosa takes him down for the sack. Touchdown! San Francisco CMC! This system, under Kyle Shanahan, he's the perfect quarterback. He's unlocked a version of Kyle Shanahan and has made this offense even better than it has been under Kyle. We see you, bro. According to ESPN Analytics, the 49ers are the overwhelming favorite to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. They have a 55% chance to win the conference. You see the Eagles, the only other team in double digits, they're at 16%. That got us thinking that the Lions, they're just lurking around behind the 49ers and Eagles, the 9% chance to win the NFC. Dan, give you a chance to talk about your Lions. What's impressed you? Uh, their run game. I think their run game gives them to be or allows them to be in the conversation for some of those elite NFC teams. I want to talk about Jared Goff's impact when it comes to their run game because it's the most intricate and detailed run game in the NFL. And Jared Goff's experience and reps matter in this conversation. So what Jared Goff's doing right now is he's pointing out everyone at home is listening to a quarterback get to line of scrimmage and say, Mike, Mike is 51. Mike's number 51. What Jared Goff is doing is declaring that this linebacker right here is the Mike linebacker. He is what they're going to say, the middle linebacker. So I'm going to put an M here. So if that guy's the middle linebacker, to Jared Goff's point, this guy makes the Sam linebacker and then essentially the Will linebacker because everybody has responsibilities. Now, why is Jared Goff doing that? He's doing that because we call this being capped off, right? As that linebacker is there, but that safety's there, Jared Goff realizes that since that safety is capping him, meaning on top, this guy's actually going to come to the line of scrimmage. I want my offensive line and fullback to be responsible for him and he's going to drop down. Now, what happens is this, because you want to make sure that you're commuting everything. When you declare that that guy's going to be part of your blocking scheme on this Montgomery touchdown run, it tells Jamison Williams, that's your guy, okay? Now, what it allows is everybody's rules and responsibility to be accurate. Now, what happens is this double team now can go to the Sam linebacker because of the Mike de declaration. It allows this fullback to kick out 
the Will linebacker, and then it allows that pulling guard to be responsible for the Mike linebacker. So kick out Mike linebacker, and then that double team to the backside Sam linebacker. Look at the hole that gets opened up for David Montgomery. Everybody's on it. Jameson Williams, Hawko appreciate that. He does an outstanding job on the perimeter of getting on his guy, Ooh, and that's why that ha that matters especially for an offense that wants to run the football and for an offense that has this very detailed and intricate run game, you have to have a quarterback that can go to the line of scrimmage and declare that guy's the Mike linebacker or that guy's mm -hmm. the Mike linebacker because then it changes everybody's rules and that's how you get that a hat on a hat saying mm -hmm. in the run game. Yep. And I do believe that that is one of those hidden advantages for the Lions offense when it comes against really good defenses. Absolutely. And, and also got to give love to offensive coordinator Ben Johnson because yeah, the beautiful awesome. part about the Detroit offense is that they could be the, the, the plow truck or they could be the Lamborghini because Ooh. the two plays that happened before that were the first two offensive plays of the game two first downs and they're throwing the ball down the field they come into a game with no Amon Ross St. Brown they're keeping defenses on their toes they're keeping them honest to say hey we're gonna throw it on first throw it on second and still push the yeah. ball down the field and it opens up that run game in a whole different way. Yeah, and they got I mean, a great play action game off of it as incredible. well. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. It all looks the same. It's been fun to see Jared Goff do this too. You know? He's I mean, a perfect like match for their offense, their play caller. Mm -hmm. You know, he's he's best when he's clean because he could throw it. He's phenomenal in the play action game when he was at best. He was with the Rams with Sean McVay. He's ideal for who they want to be offensively. Uh, guys, we got time for one more thing before we go, and why not just see a crazy video, okay? I, you guys may have seen this on social media, but it's absolutely insane. Bijan Robinson catching a football behind his back, okay, as you see there. Unbelievable. Then the little juke. I mean, of course, he's going to have the wiggle going. I don't know. This guy's a, a human highlight reel, but we have some human highlight reels up in the studio oh, yeah. here. We right. thought uh, Hawk's going to try, try to do this. You got to go right here, Dan. I'm but try Dan, to you got to get right. Okay, so you Hawk, gotta face Hawk's... this way. Defense is this way, Dan. And you're going you're gonna to run shuffle? We're gonna, yeah, we're going to run the shuffle play. Right. Come on, Hawk. No right, pressure. Boom, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, I got it. And I'm still going. Jimmy Moe's well down. Spin it. Let's go. He did catch it one-handed, too. All right, now, now, how many teams are about to call Hawk right now? Be like, hey, you, can you, you still you do gotta it? You got to get into the ice bath? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I, I pulled something. First of all, you, you almost fell. Shabib, who's, like, doing our standstill I juke him. camera. I steady camera. That's what it feels like. I almost hit here. the one that moves. We got to put Shadid on cam. Because we Shadid, got a camera job. on him. I, just showed America how <laughs> scary that is with me coming at you like that. You caught it one-handed. One handed one I do this, Dan. Do you think Bajan's going to be mad? Why are you so surprised? I mean, it's still pretty impressive. <laughs> I watched Dan's highlight reel today. Impressive, too. We'll see you tomorrow with these two. <laughs> that was impressive, Bob. Thank you, sir.